We're continuing our series, the, the Moral of the Story. And today, um, as we continue, what, what we're doing is we're, we're studying through these stories that Jesus told. And he told all these stories. They're called parables. And, and he, taught us these, he told these stories to teach us things because the truth is sometimes we just don't get it, right? Like we can hear it and we can hear it, but we just don't get it. And sometimes we don't get it because we don't really want to. Sometimes the problem is, is not what we're hearing it's that we're not listening that we're avoiding things and and today I'm going to use this word which can be either a negative thing or a positive thing all right we typically think about it negative but it's and we're gonna use the word expose that when something is exposed now typically we think that that's bad but it depends on whether it was a good thing or a bad thing like if there's something that's good that's happening and it's exposed what's been exposed is good if there's something that's negative, what is exposed is bad. And so today, I brought some props with me to kind of talk about exposure. Because, you know, if you go outside, you're supposed to consider, like, the exposure to the sun and sun rays. At least that's what I've been told. And so I brought some stuff. So how many of you um, like the, the spray-on kind of lotion? You're a spray-type person. You want that type. So you like to look like somebody did art on your body like real splotchy, right? Somebody was splattering you with stuff, right? Because it's never even. Um, but I have some different numbers. Um, who in here is like a 50 wear? You're gonna wear the 50 when you go out. Is that anybody in here? All right. I have some, um, some 30 in here. Anybody wear the 30? All right. Now, I didn't have any of this for some reason, but how about 15? 15, anybody? Yeah, it's not helping much. Um, how about 100? Who's wearing 100? Yeah. Yeah, man, so if you wear this enough, you know, you don't ever get any exposure to the sun. Other people have to wear extra sunscreen because they're not only exposed to the sun, but to the sun reflecting off of you. And so, so there's all kinds that we have, but here's what's really interesting. Today, I was, I was actually looking for some, and you know, they had this, this SPF four. Anybody like a four wear? Why? Just don't wear any, like you're just wasting money. But actually some people buy this. Do anybody like, like the spray oil stuff? Just like you like to rub Crisco on yourself and go out in the sun. Like your goal is I'm going to cook my skin today. Like that's literally what you're choosing to do, right? Like I'm going to expose myself more. But there's also something else we can do to avoid exposure. And I don't know what the age is that makes these hats appropriate. I'm not quite there yet according to my kids, all right? But at some point, it's completely appropriate to wear this type of hat. Like, my dad's 76. When my dad's wearing this kind of hat, nobody ever says anything to him like, protect your neck, dad. That's good, right? But for some reason, my kids don't think it's cool. Like, when I wouldn't wear one. Like, they're like, dad, you can't wear it. So I think the age is when your kids move out of the house. I think that's the age it becomes appropriate to wear that. But, you know, we can do a lot in our life to avoid exposure. I'm going to tell you, the Lord is going to expose some things in our lives. And he's going to expose what's there. And it's going to be either good or it's going to be bad. The Holy Spirit's going to convict us of sin, that which is not right. But he also convicts us of righteousness, that which is right, and judgment and leading us towards what is right. So today, I want to deal with a story 
that kind of shows the exposure of a person's heart and life and let us learn from it as we dive into the story, the parable of the dishonest manager. So let's pray together before we read God's word. Father God, pray today that you would bless the reading of your word, the teaching of it. May your word not return void because you have said it will not. So Father God, to this day, I ask not that people would hear me, but they would hear you. In the name of Jesus, I pray, amen. Luke chapter 16, starting in verse one says this. He also said to his disciples, this is Jesus talking, there was a rich man who had a manager and charges were brought up to him that this man was wasting his possessions. First of all, I wanna stop and define manager for you. It's a little bit different than maybe how we might use manager. Like, you know, you can have a shift manager. You can have all kind of different kind of managers at a job. You have assistant managers. You have managers of this division. But this word in, in scripture is often also called steward. And this was a person who was so entrusted by an owner that literally they would leave, like leave town. Like they might go live in another city. And there was no internet there was no checking the books from afar. Like they left them with their possessions and completely entrusted this person to manage them, to bring profit to the owner. But at the same time, it was to profit to the, to the manager. Like they profited from it. They lived off of the income of what they were making, but it was in the stewardship of that which was owned by the owner. And so this is a, a very trusted position so he had a manager and charges were brought against him that he was wasting his possessions now this word waste here it could could mean a lot of different things it could be he was being evil with it it could mean as much as he just wasn't doing a good job with it right like but it's probably a little bit more towards he was being dishonest with it it goes on to say this and he called to him and said what is this that I hear about you turn in the account of your management for you can no longer be a manager and the manager said to himself, what shall I do since my master is taking the management away from me? I am not strong enough to dig and I am ashamed to beg. So I, I am too prideful to do the hard work, to, to, to do the manual labor. I'm too prideful to, to ask for something. Uh, I'm not so prideful that I don't mind being dishonest, but I'm too prideful to go make an honest day's living what he's saying about himself so it's a very honest thing he says to himself I have decided what to do so that when I am removed from management people may receive me into their houses so summoning his master's debtors one by one he said to the first how much do you owe my master he said a hundred measures of oil he said to him take your bill and sit down quickly and write 50 then he said to another and how much do you owe he said a hundred measures of wheat he said to him take your bill and write 80 the master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. Now, I'm gonna be honest. If you stopped right there at the end of the story, this would be one of the most confusing passages in all of scripture. Like the master commends him for his dishonesty. Jesus said, be a thief. Let's go. Like, that's not what's being taught here. Like, there's more to this story than that. But there is a point that's being taught here I don't want you to lose. There is some shrewdness that should be true of us. We are called to live in our lives that we are to be as innocent as doves and at the same time as wise as serpents. That we should be wise 
and, 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 and insightful into the way that we go about doing things, but we should be dishonest. So let's finish the story. So Jesus often does this with a parable. He'll teach a story, and then he'll give some teaching right after it. And if you just read the story and you don't read the teaching, you're probably gonna miss the moral of the story, all right? So it goes on to say this. One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you true riches? The Lord's asking, if you're not faithful with the things of this world, why would I trust you with the things of my kingdom? And if you've not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You can not serve God and money. You cannot. It doesn't say it's difficult. It doesn't say it's, it's hard to figure out how to serve both yourself and your selfish desires for money and the Lord at the same time. It literally says you will never do it. You will not serve God and money at the same time. You cannot have these two masters. And so the Lord is teaching us the story. And the first thing that I think we need to learn is this. God entrusts the trustworthy. He entrusts those who are trustworthy. Those who are trustworthy in a little thing will be trustworthy with many things. And he entrusts more and more to those who, who are trustworthy. It reminds me of the parable of the talents where there's the one talent, the five talent, and the 10 talents. And the, and the one that has 10 is faithful with those 10 and earns another 10. The one that has five is faithful with those fives and earns another five. But the one that is unfaithful with the one earns none and just gives the one back. And here's what it says, is the one is taken from him. Like he's left with nothing. He doesn't even get to keep the one because he's been unfaithful with it. You have to be faithful with the little thing to be faithful with the big things. And the Lord entrusts the trustworthy one who is faithful and very little is also going to be faithful in much proverb 10 9 says this whoever walks in integrity walks securely but he who makes his ways crooked will be found out it will be known eventually proverbs 28 6 is better is a poor man who walks in his integrity than a rich man who is crooked in his ways you know this, this trustworthiness, this is something that happens between parents and kids as you have a, a growing trust, right? Like there's, you, you don't just start off with your kids and say, all right, you're able, ready to go out on your own. Like that's not how you start out because they're not capable of that. Like it starts out with something as simple as, hey, kids, I need to have a phone call and I need you to stay in this room and not destroy it while I make a phone call. Like, I need you to stay in this room and not come bother me and not destroy this room both at the same time. Can I trust you to do that? And some of you are still, you're struggling with your mom and dad because you feel like they don't ever give you any freedom and you're 17 and 18 years old and they still can't make a phone call without you talking and, and messing it up, right? They still can't trust you with that little thing, right? But it starts out there, right? And then, and then maybe it, it grows a little bit. And so you become trustworthy with that. And so mom and dad say, hey, I need to leave you at the house for just, I just gotta go one, run one quick errand. And I wanna see the house still standing when I get back, right? Like, and you still be here. Those two things, right? Alive, still be here alive. Like that's what I'm looking for, right? And, and so can you be trusted with that? And then once you're trusted with that, hey, I'm gonna let you 
stay here all day by yourself while, while, while I'm gone all day. Do you, do you remember the first time your parents let you stay all day by yourself? I was sick. My parents left me at home sick one time all by myself, and I doubt I was really sick, but I convinced them I was. And, and so I didn't have to go to school that day. And I remember, like, I'll be honest, I got terrified. So I armed myself with my BB gun, just super ready for anybody that's going to invade the house. I was going going to sit him with a BB gun. Right? And so, but anyway, so can you be trusted to, to, you know, to not burn the house down? And then, then you, as you kind of get there, then all of a sudden, hey, mom and, mom, mom and dad, can I, can I go to the mall with my friends and you not stay? Mm. Can I trust you that you, if I let you do this, I don't want to get a phone call from mall security telling me that my kid, you know, like you, you got it. You got to be trustworthy with this. And then, and then all of a sudden, if you keep being trustworthy, someday you might end up in a vehicle, driving your parents' vehicle, going somewhere without them while they sit at home and fret and live with concern. And you're wondering, why are they still awake when I come home? Because I can't sleep. Right, but eventually just more and more trust. But it's been earned. And the Lord God entrusts those who are trustworthy. If you, want to, if you want more, if you want God to give you more in ministry and life and influence, are you being faithful with what you have? Because God entrusts the trustworthy. The other thing we need to learn is this. Everything has a choice. Everything has a choice. How many choices had this dishonest manager made along the way? Everything has a choice. You know, I would imagine that this was not the first day he was dishonest as a manager of this man's property. Like, there was already a negative report about him, right? That he was wasting. So it was nothing for him. I mean, that's a bold move. That's a bold move. Just get rid of half your debt. Just write it down. I wonder what was the first thing he was dishonest with. How small was it? How little was it? That first thing. That first small thing he lied about. That thing that he saw, man, I, I could take this and nobody would ever know. Nobody would ever know about that. And I'm the one doing the accounting. No one will ever know I kept that for myself. And then he took that one. And then once he saw that he could take that one, he, he took a second one and a third one. The fourth one and then he started taking something a little bit bigger and then he started holding on something even a little bit bigger and then he started lying about a little bit more and then he was dishonest with a little bit more and all of a sudden he found himself no longer trustworthy of the management because he had been dishonest with the little thing it doesn't start with a big one it starts with the little ones and everything has a choice we always have the capacity to choose right if we would so choose I remember I, I got a job when I was in college at the cafeteria at my college. I'll be honest, the reason why I took a job at the cafeteria, I hate to admit this today, but um, chapel was right before lunch. And if you worked in the cafeteria, you got to skip chapel. So I got a job in the cafeteria where I could skip chapel, all right? And, um, and so anyway, so I, I got a job at the cafeteria and, and my job was to do the inventory. So I counted everything and, and I would take in the shipments and I would count everything. And what I realized was the only reason why they knew what they had was because of what I told them. 
Like nobody was ever marking, like you were supposed to mark things off when you pulled them off the shelf to say you were cooking such and such, but nobody ever did it. Like nobody was ever, so the only reason why they ever knew what they had was because I counted every week. I would wear a jacket and I would get in the freezer and I'd be in the freezer for like two and a half hours counting frozen food. And and so that was my job, all right? And so, so I did that every week. And what I began to realize was I could take this stuff and nobody will know. And here's why it was tempting, because we catered too, and when we would go cater, the food was good. And then when we ate in the cafeteria, the food was not. And I knew where the good food was. It was in the same freezer as the other meal we were gonna eat that day. Like I knew that there was like cordon bleu and all that kind of stuff. Like I knew where it was and I knew how many there were. But I'll be honest, I began to realize I could do that and I just, but I couldn't do it. I couldn't take it. I wouldn't take it. But I just, how, I just realized, like, actually, the Lord convicted me over it. Like, I just, how quickly I thought, man, I could take that and nobody would ever know. You know, eventually, the man who owned that, ran that, began to allow me to take some of that cook for me and my friends, and I appreciated it. But all right, it's just so easy when it's a little thing. But are you going to be faithful with the little things? See, because here's what we need to learn about our choices. Choices expose values and value. They expose what we value and how much we value it, the choices we make. In your family life, the choices you make expose who and what you value and what your values are. Your kids see it. I'm gonna tell you, if church and the things of the Lord are seventh and eighth on the list, your kids see it. If you treat faith as a low priority, don't expect to raise children who serve the Lord with all, all their heart, with all their soul, with all their strength, with all their mind, because they're learning it. They're seeing it. Like, our choices expose our values and our value, whether we want them to or not. At work, the way you go about doing what you're doing, how you do it, how you handle yourself, it exposes who you are the priorities that we make in our life, how we handle our finances, how we handle our careers, the decisions that we make, the choices that we make expose our value and our values. The words you choose. That's why it says in Luke 6.45, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks because it's, it's already in there. That's why it says in Matthew 12.35, a good man brings up good things out of the good stored up in him and the evil man brings out evil things out of the evil stored up in him. Because it, our choices simply expose the value that we have towards things and the values that we carry in our life. That's why we're, here we're, we're learning that we're to live wisely, not worldly. It was wrong how we handled those accounts. We should have wisdom in our life. We, we should be shrewd about some things, but we shouldn't be selfish and sinful how we go about it. That we should live and be as innocent as doves and as wise as serpents. That's why here at our church, I don't really talk about core values. We talk about core actions. And I know you hear about them all the time. Some of you go, oh, he's gonna talk core actions again. Yeah, we need to talk them all the time. We need to remind ourselves why the Lord, what he, who he's called us to be and what he's called us to do. And here's why we talk about core actions because you don't value something unless you do it. And our core actions are this, be a bringer. Bring all people to Jesus and Jesus to all people. We saw the evidence of that today. I'm challenging you, be a bringer in your home. If you have children, you are primarily the person that God has made primarily responsible for the gospel in their life. Be bringing them to Jesus and Jesus to them. Your spouse, with your coworkers, 
We're talking about our circles of influence. That God's called us to do this. He's told us to, to, to live lives where we keep it real, where we live in authentic and unique relationships with others, where we're authentic and unique in Christ, where, where we're real with other people and we can share struggles and triumphs and we can be challenged in our faith where others can spur us on towards acts of righteousness. We need that in our life. We need those authentic relationships. You need to find your uniqueness in Christ. That's something we're gonna be diving into this fall. You need to know your giftedness that God has given you because God gave you that giftedness not for your own good but for everybody else's. And you need to uniquely live that out so that you might serve him faithfully. That God's called us, that we want to look alive, that we want to do things with joy and passion and excellence, that we want to have the joy of the Lord and be passionate about what he's called us to do. That we want to go beyond, that we want to live life with that second mile mentality and all that we do. But here's the thing. We're going to know whether these things are true of us as a church, not because we say them, but because of the choices we make. Are we going to make decisions that call us to keep going beyond ourselves? Are we going to keep giving the type of percentage that we give as a church outside of these walls, which God's allowed us to be in a position where we're able to do so much beyond ourselves? If we're not careful, those are the kind of things people want to change sometimes, or you drift towards something. Are we going to continue to, to invest in the things that are the kingdom of God? Because if you value it, you do it. Same thing is true in your life. If you value it, you do it. The big things everyone praises are the result of many little things no one notices. That's what the Lord's teaching us here. There's a lot of big things that people will praise in life, but they're going to be the result of a bunch of little things. Nobody paid any attention. Are you going to be faithful with the little things? Because here's what success does. Success exposes. Success exposes what exists. That's all it does. Success does not create anything within us. It exposes what already exists within us. A person doesn't become greedy when they have much. Just everybody else becomes more aware of their greediness when they have much. A person doesn't become selfish when, when they have more people to lead. They were selfish before they had anyone to lead. It just exposes that reality and who they are. Greed is not new, new in their life. It's just now being seen. Selfishness and self-centeredness are not created by the spotlight, but they are revealed by it. Or you can be faithful in the little things. See, success creates nothing, but it exposes everything. Success will not create anything in you. If you think, when I get to here, that's, this is who I'm going to become, you better become that right now or you'll never be there. It doesn't matter what you gain. It doesn't matter what you accomplish. If that's not changing in you now, gaining that will not change it. If it will do anything, it will reveal in you more and more that which is negative and wrong and sinful. It just exposes what already exists within us. And we need to put our heart before the Lord in such a way that he changes us even in the little things that we might be found faithful with much. I know if you've been around here, you've kind of heard me share this part of my story and my life. But I took my first ministry position when I was 19 um, at a church. I became their, their um, minister of, of youth and children. And, um, man, I, it really went well. Um, grew by f like four times larger than it was in a year. We started about 15. We're running about 60 within a year. 
God, and there was a lot of really good things that were happening. And the problem was, I was not being faithful to the Lord in my private life. And I realized something that scared me. That I could win publicly while losing privately. So I quit. That's why I resigned my first position. I, I couldn't do it that way. What grieves me today is I quit because I didn't want to repent. I walked away because I didn't want to change. God changed that in me. <laughs> um, but he had some work to do. <laughs> you know that it's the little things that nobody sees and no one knows. The Lord knows. Because here's what I believe. The further you go, the less you can hide. I'm gonna tell you this. A church this size, I don't know if y'all know this, but I don't go anywhere where I don't see somebody that knows me. And I'm trying to know you. If I don't know you and I see you somewhere, I'm sorry. I'm trying. I'm going through the Rolodex in my head, kind of come up with names, but I'm not very good at that. I'm trying, all right? But, but like, that's just the reality. Like, I can leave town and y'all are there. Like, how'd you know where I was going? Like, seriously, Daniel and I w went skiing in the northern Montana. You could see Canada from the mountain. And I met a lady who lives up the road down on Highway 73 on a bus. She said, oh, I know that church. I was like, yeah, I'm glad I was acting like I know Jesus today. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but it's just how it works. I just want to encourage you, be faithful with the little things. God always sees. God always knows. Allow him to change it while it's a small thing. Because it's harder to change when it's a big thing. What's that little thing you're hiding from him right now? I challenge you today to give that to the Lord. The last thing I want you to understand is value is a matter of devotion. You can't be devoted to two masters. So this, this scripture, God and money, the word this translated there, money, it's a little bit more than just money. It's, it's a little bit more than just paper bills, all right? It's just this concept or idea of like selfishness or not even selfishness, um, just worldly goal. Like you cannot serve your own selfish desires and the Lord at the same time. You can't do it. It's not money in and of itself. It's the love of money that's the root of all evils. Not, not money. Money's just a thing. How devoted to you are because you're not going to serve it and God at the same time. You're not going to serve his kingdom and your own. There can only be one king in your life. God doesn't share his throne. You know, this week, we had a fantastic vacation Bible school. Um, you know, we're, we're going to see more children out of that. We, we have a lot of students. Hopefully, you'll see baptized here soon out of student camp. I'm excited about what I see God doing in our church. Um, 
But I'll tell you what, one of the things I love this week, I want to brag on some parents and some, some workers in our, our children's ministry. This week, I had the privilege of talking to some of the kids as they were wrestling with making a decision for Christ. And I sat down with some of these kids and I sat down. And so when I talk to a kid about their faith, I give them no answers. Like, I make it as hard as possible for them to get saved. Like, some of you are going, why are you doing that? Because I want to make sure that they know. Here's my heart as, as a pastor. I don't want a kid to, to one day when they become adults say you know I, I know I had an experience once at vacation Bible school I don't, I don't want that for them what I want is I want a child to be able to say I know for certain that at this time in my life I confess Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord of my life and I'm certain of that like that's what I want for them and so when I'm asking I just begin to ask questions so the, 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 the thing that they had asked about um, knowing Jesus Christ as their Savior and so I, mean, I would start asking like what, is, what does Jesus need to save us from and these kids said sin all of them sin yes that's correct what is sin? Maybe doing what's wrong. One of them even looked at me and said, when you don't do what's right. I was like, that's a great answer. And so I just kept walking these kids all the way through what it, what it meant that Jesus is Lord. And one of them said this to me, well, Jesus is Lord, that means he's in charge of everything. Yes, go tell the adults. They need to learn this. Yes, this is a good answer, right? Like one of them was like, that means he's king. Like, yes. And I just want to brag on you. Hey, parents and children's workers, job well done like it was a real just beautiful thing for me as pastor to just have those conversations and see like that's not like that's where as a leader sometimes you get to reap what you're not sowing thank you the question I have for each of you is this it's a question that I asked all these kids we're talking are you devoted is Jesus Lord is he in charge? Is Jesus king? He's the king of kings. But is he king of your life? Is he the, he's the Lord of lords, but he's the, is he the Lord of your life? If you never come to that place where you've accepted the forgiveness of God that comes in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and you never confess Jesus Christ as Lord, maybe you have some questions. Like, I don't even know exactly what you mean by that. Myself and some of the leaders will be right up here in the front after church, and we'd love to talk to you. It's the most important conversation we could have today. So I just want us to, to close with prayer for a moment. Everybody bow their head and close their eyes. And the first thing, I, right now, I believe probably every single one of us in this room, probably every single one of us, has some little thing in our life that we're still wrestling with the Lord about, that we're not giving to God. I want you to give it to him right now, just in prayer. Just name that to the Lord. And don't just say what's wrong. Say, Lord, this is what I'm gonna do, right? Repent. Just give it to God right now. Father God, I pray that you would be the Lord of even the little things in our life. That we would be convicted over righteousness.